now we know that COVID is airborne, our air is shared. So why not like take the easy precautions that we can take to protect the people that we care about? Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. For Ann Miller, masks and personal protective equipment, or PPE, are truly personal. In April 2020, her mother-in-law was among the first Vermonters to die after contracting COVID-19. Miller was also sickened, but survived. After that, the healthcare consultant and resident of Essex, Vermont, made it her mission to find and disseminate top-quality PPE to anyone who wanted it. She is the executive director of Project N95, a PPE clearinghouse that connects people who need personal protective equipment to companies that make it. With the spread of the highly infectious Omicron variant, the CDC now recommends that people wear the most protective masks they can, such as certified N95 and KN95 masks, and the U.S. government is now distributing free N95 masks. Project N95 tests masks to ensure their quality and offers approved masks for sale through its website, projectn95.org. Ann Miller talks about the difference between masks, where to find them, and how to spot fakes. I began by asking her about what has led her to volunteer all her time to distributing PPE. I um, I had actually heard about Project N95 from um, Andy Slavitt. I had followed him on Twitter and I heard that this um, this group was coming together and I joined them. And within a matter of days, my mother-in-law, who was living with me then, uh, she developed some symptoms that we thought were, were really nothing, right? And it ended up that she had COVID and we, they, we took her to the doctor who, and, you know, the rest is history, right? She never got better. She didn't want to be intubated. And two weeks after the, the I joined the project, my mother-in-law passed away. We had to say goodbye to her, like over FaceTime. Um, I got my kids up in the middle of the night to say goodbye to her. It was a really, really hard time. And for me, if, you know, back then we were like cleaning our mail and, you know, changing our clothes and, you know, disinfecting our groceries, wiping our doorknobs. And, you know, for me, if I could save one family or one person from that experience of having to say goodbye to a loved one on, you know, over Zoom, like these are avoidable deaths. And now we know that COVID is airborne. Our air is shared. So why not like take the easy precautions that we can take to protect the people that we care about. And this was back at the, in April, 2020. So the really the early days of the pandemic is when your mother-in-law passed away. Yeah. She, she died on April 1st of 2020. So she was sick, you know, in, I joined the project on March 20th. She probably got sick right around that time and it wasn't long. And then, you know, her oxygen levels, she needed more and more oxygen and, so she got, she was one of the first in Vermont to pass away uh, wow. from COVID. And then I understand that you got COVID. Well, I had all of the symptoms of COVID. I was tested twice. The doctor was like, you must have COVID. I tested negative twice, but I have antibodies to COVID. So there's a part of me that always wonders, like, did I kill my mother-in-law somehow? I had more resistance than she did and that she got it from me. I don't know, but uh, it, it it doesn't really matter at this point. It's like, how can we, you know, keep people safe and how can we take precautions that 
aren't really interventional, right? We're not talking about taking a pharmaceutical or doing anything like that. These are basic precautions, ventilation, you know, masking that would enable people to go out and live their best life. That's what I say. Like, don't, don't feel quarantined, feel, go out and live your best life, but take precautions just like we do when we look both ways, when we cross the street. So what is the mission of Project N95? Um, People know that you can go on Amazon and see a overwhelming selection of masks, and you really don't know what kind of quality they have. Um, They range in price wildly and widely. Um, So take us, uh, tell us about the mission of the organization and how to navigate this brave new world of masks. So at its core, there's three pillars to Project N95. It's um, access, affordability, and authenticity. I say no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you deserve quality respiratory protection. So that's like fundamentally, like we started off serving healthcare workers who couldn't get N95s in March and April of 2020. We first started off sourcing those, figuring out which ones were legitimate, which suppliers were reliable, who wasn't going to scam you for a deposit. Then we said, if you're a big E essential worker, you deserve protection too, right? If if you need your work to get your health benefits or to put food on your table, your work is essential to you and you deserve quality protection. So over time, our mission has evolved to support everyone who needs access to quality, affordable PPE. So we know that back at the start of the pandemic and way back in 2020, that an N95 respirator was maybe $5 or more per individual one, but you can get one now for 80 cents. So they've come down a lot in price. And that's part of our mission to be able to make sure that people can get affordable PPE. You were asking me about on Amazon, right? And so this is the question of authenticity. And this is like a very big knot of of information and regulation. People have told me it's too inside baseball. So maybe Um, This is too much information, but the KN95 standard, that's the Chinese standard, and that is not certified by any independent body. It's a self-certified standard. So you and I could go buy a KN95 machine, put it in the barn, fire it up and crank out KN95s, say we have KN95s, and that's it. There isn't any enforcement of that standard by anybody, not by the Chinese government, not by the U.S. government, by no one. Can I so, just clarify? I thought the K and KN was that they're Korean made. No, the KN95 is a Chinese made standard. Um, so the KF94 is a Korean product. Okay. So the KN95 has no enforcement. And so that's why... It's really hard as a consumer to know whether or not you're getting a good product. And back in that, you know, spring of 2020, maybe early summer of 2020, the CDC was testing these KN95s because they were allowing healthcare workers to use them at the time because there was a shortage. And 60% of the KN95s that they tested were found to be um, fake. When I say fake, it's not like they were like fake Gucci bag, but they were fake in the sense that they didn't do what they claimed to do. They didn't filter at 95%, right? They they didn't perform as they were advertised. And so for, for me, it's like, you need to know that that KN95 is not, there's not good controls over that. And you don't know for certain. There are a couple of brands. There's probably a dozen brands that are quality brands. Um, There are very specific things that you can look for on the product itself that give you an inkling if it's right. 
but and, it's and still, what are what are some of those things that you can look for? Yeah, it's still a very murky field. So the things that you can look for on a KN95 is that it should have the standard printed on the face of the mask. Most of the KN95s I see in the wild when I'm out, they just have KN95 stamped on the face. They don't have any other standard information, right? Those, those were not labeled to the standard when they just have KN95 printed on them. So if they're not labeled to the standard, you don't have any confidence that they're actually made to the standard. Okay. So, so the standard is? GB2626-2006 or GB2626-2019. Now, okay. To, to so I have, I have a KN95 yeah. that is stamped on it. I got it on Amazon. How do I know it's not just a mask with that stamped on it? Because they know that we'll get more people to buy it. Uh, you, you don't, except you can always ask, of course, we'll help anybody out who needs to know whether or not they've purchased an authentic. There are lists of masks that have tested poorly. Uh, we're putting up a consolidated list on our website so that people can look and see what did the um, CDC test this at? What do other independent testing groups? Um, there are like citizen scientists who are testing these and to consolidate all of these findings, but it, it's tricky, right? And if the other thing to know is that there's a little paper piece of paper inside that bag, and that has when it was produced, the year it was produced. Most KN95s only have a two-year shelf life, not a three-year shelf life. So there's a couple that have three years, but most have two. And so you need to make sure that if you're buying a KN95, you're not getting a stale one. Um, okay. And like, what's stale about a KN95? Right. There's an electrostatic layer in the middle of this mask that has a charge on it and it acts like a spider web to track these particles. And as the product gets older and older, that electrostatic charge is dissipating. And so as the product expires, it's less likely to be an effective um, form of filtration for you. So let's say we got some random generic KN95 uh, in a store or on Amazon. Um, it is still a densely woven mask that you have over your, you know, nose and mouth. Isn't that still going to do much of what we're hoping it will do and a heck of a lot more than a cloth mask will do? Well, these are all the stages, right? Like, where, what are you upgrading from? So I just reviewed a mask that's being distributed by a government in Maryland and to their teachers and, and students, and it tests at 46%. Right. So it's definitely better than nothing. Right. It's definitely better than not wearing a mask at all. But it's not necessarily what you're not. It's not giving you the protection that you think it is. And I just think it's really important for people to understand when you're spending your money, what you're getting, because you may, may give you a false sense of confidence that you end up going in without um, the protection that you think you have. But there's definitely the case that you know, that a KN95 that doesn't work to standard could possibly be providing benefit. It's just that you don't know. One of the challenges in this category is you'll see a company makes products and they tested 10 of them and maybe one tested at 89%, five tested at 46%. There's a lot of variability in production. So you don't necessarily know that even every single mask out of the same batch is going to perform the same. So let's talk about Project N95 and the solution that you offer. I've been to uh, projectn95.org. Um, many of the, I, I don't know if it's most, but certainly a lot of the masks are, uh, you have to, it says ships in 10 days. 
Um, you know, I understand there's incredible demand. So uh, this is through no fault of anybody's. But, um, you know, this is not an immediate solution to one's mask problem. But you do. So talk about the masks that appear there. Yeah, I, I just want to talk a little bit about the N95, right? The NIOSH rated respirator. So the thing that people don't really understand is that this is a certified standard. So the co companies go through a great deal of effort to get approved in the first place. They have a quality management system in their factory. They have inline quality controls. They are doing testing on the batches that they're producing. So there is a lot number stamped on the face of that mask or on the packaging. So you always know um, you know, that it's being tested and that you know that it's performing to the standard. So there's N95s that you can get for 80 or 60 cents, and you can get one for $4. And that's what comes down to like personal preference, size and fit, but they all are meeting the standard. And so the main thing that we've seen is that like the, the big part of this is fit and filtration, right? So any mask that has ear loops is not going to have the same degree of fit as an N95, right? An N95 has those straps across the back, they mess up your hair. And, you know, these are the ones that are going to confer the best protection for you. So we do have a whole bunch of NIOSH rated respirators. So that's just something that people should understand that there's a big difference. It is a certified standard as opposed to kind of a unregulated standard from the, from the Chinese market. So um, that being said, the U.S. NIOSH maker has seen, wow, U.S. people, consumers really prefer the ear loop. So they are adding production to convert over parts of their line to make an ear loop mask. So we have NIOSH rated makers. It's kind of a crazy story, right? You have U.S.-based NIOSH manufacturers now producing to the Chinese standard for the American market. So, you know, you would expect to produce to the Chinese standard to sell in China, but we're talking about people who are producing to that, that KN95 standard in order to be sold in the United States. U.S. really has a preference for ear loops. I think the whole market will eventually go, the consumer market will go to an ear loop style. Um, Is it, what's the problem with ear loops? Ear loops don't, there's, there's no, Ear loops don't give you the same fit that head straps do. So if you're somebody, it depends on your context, right? Like I always say, your mileage will vary, right? Like I'm not around um, people who have COVID. I'm not out in, I'm not working indoors as a teacher, right? You know, I'm not working in an indoor factory setting. So I can put on my, I still wear an N95 when I go out, but you could probably wear a KN95 and go out and have pretty good protection. It's all about the fit, right? So you have filtration and fit. So I just so, wanted to comment. Uh, can I one one second? Sorry on the sure. on the shipping thing. So we had um, one warehouse. In, that shipping notice needs to be updated. We had one warehouse in Kansas. That warehouse got COVID, um, and uh, we we have um, spun up three additional uh, warehouses now in the last uh, ten days. And uh, I say like this is like um, in-flight refueling that we were able to stand these up. So we are now fulfilling out of four warehouses, not one, and we will be fully caught up by the end of the week. And then we will ship everything within one to two days. So that's our, been our model uh, previously. Good to know. Um, what does it mean for you that the U.S. government is now saying it is going to provide free N95s? And are those masks up to the NIOSH, you know, the highest standards? 
Oh, of course. Yeah. So they have a stockpile of like 750 million uh, masks. They're distributing about half of that stockpile, um, you know, three per person through the federal pharmacy program. So any place that you could get a vaccine, um, you should be able to get uh, three per person. Uh, N95s, as someone who's been putting, you know, masks in mailboxes or, you know, packages on porches for two years. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of, while we applaud the decision, I think there's a lot of like devil in the details kind of thing. I mean, there's people all the time who say like, I bought this and it doesn't fit me. Right. And like, just like all size nine shoes don't fit the same, even at the same size, right. There's different sizes between you and I, and between other people. So there's a size factor, but then there's also just the variation between makers. So like the same size, large or same size, medium across different, you know, makers of masks isn't the same. And so there is um, a lot of variability in the, um, the fit, fit aspect. So right now you can go to any pharmacy that where perhaps you got your vaccine and get three free N95 masks. Well, what I've been told is that the federal pharmacy program, the pharmacies that participate in that, which are giving back, you know, vaccines. So I would expect that to be the CVS, the Walgreens, and in our area, maybe Walmart also is supposed to be giving out um, three per person. They're not supposed to be asking for any ID. Just go up and ask for them. I understand the greeters in Walmart are supposed to be giving them out. My local CVS pharmacy has not had them yet. I think the official distribution doesn't start until next week to pharmacies. So, you know, the federal government has stockpiles all across the country. They're not all in one place. So they're being dispatched out of different locations to um, retail pharmacies. Um, talk about masks for children. This has been bedeviling parents. Um, what are the challenges there? What are the solutions? Yeah, I, I recently called for a national stockpile of children's masks because one thing about Project N95 is we are all about equity and access, and it just shouldn't be the people who have knowledge or means that are able to get quality masks. And for, fam for families, kids can burn through masks pretty quickly. Like my kids can trash a mask before they even get to school um, on a bad day, right? It gets on a snowy car floor, you know, you drop it, it gets dirty. So these masks um, are, it's also that the children are different sizes. Like, you know, a five-year-old is not going to fit in the same mask as an eight-year-old or even a 10 or 12-year-old. And even among like teens, there are different size faces. So it, it's a very tricky situation. There are no standards for kids' masks. I've had a conversation with this with um, the federal um, authorities last week about uh, moving ahead and moving a standard ahead for um, for children's masks. I think it's really important that uh, we do this. And this is the other reason why I think it's important to have a stockpile because we don't necessarily always need them, but when we need them, you know, we want to have access to them. And that's, that's the challenge right now. It's a very complicated category. Can you explain for people who've been going many months with their cloth masks, or those little surgical masks that are offered everywhere. What protection do those offer? There's a really good um, chart I should provide to you, but I guess it doesn't work on radio. Well, so you can say works. the URL if you'd like. I don't have it memorized, but at any rate, I. Um, so they are all different degrees of protection, right? So we're talking about like source protection, right? Source control. So when you're wearing something, like you're wearing a mask over your face, like a, a, a surgical mask, a so-called surgical mask. Um, that's providing source control. You're not, you're, what you're exhaling isn't going as much to other people. It's not providing respiratory protection. So 
um, like a neck gaiter or a cloth mask is a lower tech form of um, source control. And I think the main thing there is again, that like the cloth masks, I think can have it over a surgical mask if they fit better on the sides, right? It's always this intersection of like fit and filtration. So um, I have a child who refuses to wear anything other than a surgical mask. And he's like, it's more breathable, mom. And I'm like, yeah, that's a flaw, not a feature, right? <laughs> so my other child wears a KN95 to school. And, you know, I try to argue this point with great regularity at home, but um, some people are really entrenched in their preferences. So um, a mask that many people find more breathable is the KN94. And um, explain what those are. That's a KF94. So the KF94 is actually um, certified by the Korean government. It filters to 94%, unlike um, the, the 95 standards, which filter to 95%. I think the KF94s are, are um, a good, good products. They are um, well-regulated by the Korean government. The one um, apprehension, I would say, or one thing that I would uh, caution people about is that there are um, overseas makers of products that look like KF94s that aren't certified by the Korean government. And so when you're buying, you need to be really careful. I've seen these mostly on online marketplaces like Amazon, but there are people who are taking advantage of the American consumer's interest in the KF94 and, and making products that are not certified by the government, the Korean government and calling them KF94. So I would say your best bet on that is to make sure that you're purchasing a Korean made KF94. That would be a quick check. And by going to projectn95.org, all of your masks are certified. And, and so, so we vet everything. So we vet all of the, the product specifications. We know that the product um, adheres to the standard and, um, if it's a product like a KN95, we've had it tested. We know that it, it is a product that performs as described. We also vet the whole supply chain all the way back. This is about supply chain security. And this is gets back to um, buying on an online marketplace. So we you can go all the way back to the manufacturer and make sure. So we buy from the manufacturer or the authorized distributor. We always know that it's all the way back that we know we got it from the source. So I, I give this as an example. You can put a pile of 3M N95s on your kitchen table and say, which one of these is authentic and which one isn't? And if you don't know where you purchase it, you don't actually know which of those KN95s are authentic. So I had someone the other day, like I'm gonna buy my, I bought my 3M N95s on eBay. You know, and I, my question is why would you buy a piece of personal protective equipment on eBay, like, like you, like, I understand like having financial constraints, but be careful because you're buying that product is highly likely to be counterfeit, but being purchased on eBay. I mean, 3M actually polices its distributorships pretty closely. We check in with them whenever we're doing business with anybody in the 3M category. Hmm. You've been, you've mentioned equity um, a number of times as part of the core mission of project N95. So what is the issue around equity and masks? Well, we know that certain populations have been disproportionately impacted by COVID 
from the very beginning, right? For, for, for no um, reason particular to COVID, there was systemic inequity in our system. So we know that the Black, Latinx, and tribal nations in this country have had disproportionately worse outcomes from COVID, more mortality, more morbidity. And so we have sought to serve specifically in those communities. But that's one aspect of equity. But we also know that there are a bunch of people for whom you know $25 for a box of masks is more money than they can afford. And so we have a program where we've been distributing, right now we're distributing 500,000 um, and 95s in, to, in communities where people need masks. Um, the, we've distributed over two and a half million pieces um, since the start of the project. I haven't had time to really count it all up, but um, we know that there's a trust gap, right? In a lot of these communities, they've had issues for a long period of time. And so we work in those communities with trusted partners who already have established relationships. So we go to food banks, we go to vaccine clinics, we work with tribal nation partners. So we're trying to always get masks out to people who, through partnerships in local community, but hundred percent people come to us and they ask for masks and they'll say, I have all of these pre-existing health conditions, I need a mask. And I'm like, you don't need to qualify to get a mask. If you need a mask, there should be dignity in all of this. This is about empowerment and about equity more than it is about charity. So even though we're a 501c3, like we really are here to help people get quality respiratory protection. How are you affected by seeing these anti-mask protests who are fighting to not wear the masks that you are dedicating your life to disseminating? It, it's hard. I have to say I've met a lot of aerosol scientists on this journey, and I think the science is really clear about wearing a mask. Um, my feeling has been that anybody who wants a mask, we're here to help. I am not going to force a mask on somebody. Um, I do think that uh, wearing a mask is a very easy um, non-pharmaceutical intervention that can help keep you safe. So. You are volunteering what sounds like enormous amounts of time. Uh, why do you keep doing it? No, I, um, there are days that are really hard, right? And so I, um, I have been volunteering now 22 months here at Project N95, nearly um, a full time or time and a half job all the time working on this. And I do feel really strongly that everyone deserves to live their best life, that, it, you know, the immunocompromised people who don't have access to funds, they should be able to have that the quality respiratory protection they have. And on the, my darkest days where I'm really tired, I go back to this Latin phrase that runs in my, my head, which is ubi caritas, which means live in charity. And that's what keeps me going. Well, Ann Miller, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Vermont Conversation. Thank you. That does it for this Vermont Conversation. You can hear this and all programs at vtdigger.org slash vermontconversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.